Hello, I'm Dr. Liz. Today's episode will be about stress. We all have it. We don't love it. (laughs) And we are going to talk about how to manage stress. So we're going to talk about some real life strategies for managing your stress. I hope you stick around. Welcome to the podcast, Empowered by Design. I'm your host, Dr. Liz, a licensed psychologist and owner of Visionistas by Design Wellness Boutique in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. This podcast is about the power of connection and a proactive approach to mental health and overall wellness. It's about finding and owning your power right now and using it for good by nurturing the connection of body, mind, heart, soul, and spirit. Empowered by Design podcast delivers psychological concepts and practical strategies with a real-life approach. Designed to empower health and wellness, optimal performance, authentic connection with yourself and others, and purposeful, joyful living. Be well. Live Empowered, Dream Design Deliver. Welcome to episode six of the Empowered by Design podcast. Today's episode is called Riding the Rainbow, Strategies for Managing Stress. So we all have stress, right? Stress is something that when you hear the word stress, (laughs) you may actually have a reaction just to hearing the word. But it is definitely something unavoidable. We all have stress in our lives, and it can be really helpful to talk about strategies for managing stress. You probably have some strategies that you already use to manage stress, and that is great. And it can always be helpful to hear a different perspective on stress management. So when we think about stress... It has a pretty negative connotation, right? Nobody likes to feel stress. We've heard stress can be really dangerous for us. If we have too much stress, it can be dangerous for our physical health, our emotional health, our psychological health and wellness. And in general, it's just really uncomfortable. We don't like to be stressed. We don't like our bodies do not like to be under stress or duress. And so in a human nature kind of way, we try our best to avoid stress. And that's great because when you can avoid it, then you can also avoid the danger that goes along with it. And then we also recognize that it's not always unavoidable. So that's why it's really important for us to talk about how to manage stress when you cannot avoid it. Um, And so in order to do that, we're going to, I'm going to ask you to do some reflecting, do some envisioning, and I'm going to ask you to think about a past performance of yours. So something that you have done in the past that was significant, 
um, you can think of it as a performance on a, on a big stage, right? Or even a small stage. So the, the verb perform actually simply means to carry out or to do, to execute. When we hear the word performance, sometimes we think of this grand performance in front of a, of a huge audience um, or a stadium. And of course, that is performing as well. We're actually performing every single day. So if you think about it right now, you are performing action. And so I want you to think back on a performance that is significant in your memory. So again, that can be a performance on a small stage or a big stage. And really think, get into that memory of your performance Think about it from the aspects of your body, your mind, your heart, your soul, and your spirit. What were you feeling inside of your body in that performance leading up to the performance or during the performance? Are you feeling butterflies in your stomach, sweaty palms? Your chest might have been feeling a little pressure. Your heart might have been beating fast. Depending on the significance and the stakes of the performance, you can really think about all of the aspects that you were experiencing. So in your mind, what thoughts were coming up for you? Maybe thoughts connected to your beliefs about your ability to perform. Your emotions, so a lot of times in performance we can feel nervous, we can feel excited, worried, scared, invigorated, lots of different emotions go around about performance. And then in your soul and in your spirit really connects with the meaning sometimes of that performance if it is meaningful and significant to your passion, your purpose, your vision, that which you hold dear in your spirit or in your soul. So just kind of think back and don't think too hard about it, right? So think of the one of the first things that pops into your mind is usually a good example for these, these little exercises. When I thought about a past performance for myself, that I could use for this. I thought of when I took the SATs (laughs) way back in the history books of my life um, when, yeah, we were in, I was in high school and it's interesting to reflect because I can think back and think that I, I definitely put a lot of pressure on myself to achieve well in school. I really loved getting good grades. I liked getting A's. I liked getting 100s <laughs> to be exact. And I did study. I did study when I was in school and I I did put a lot of effort into into earning good grades. And then when I think about the SATs, I did not I do not remember preparing as much as I could have, definitely as much as I could have for the SATs. I think in school, we might've done a few practice problems, but I did not on my own prepare 
very much for the SATs. I did not, I don't remember doing the practice tests. I, I just don't remember really preparing for them. Although I was very much invested in the results because I wanted to get into a good college and um, I definitely knew that that was an important piece. I don't remember really preparing that much for them. And I think that does speak to uh, my character and personality, at least back then and now. (laughs) So I'm a procrastinator um, and I do work to a deadline. And, And within that personality trait of being procrastinator is avoidance, avoidance of the task, avoidance of the performance for some kind of reason, for some kind of discomfort, for some kind of stress. So I know for myself, because I put so much pressure on achieving high, I sometimes would avoid even trying to think about those kinds of performances, those tests, and then I'd be studying right at the deadline or, or, (laughs) or not, right? I didn't have enough time to study. So Um, over time in my life, I have definitely learned different strategies and I have worked to not be as procrastinating, but for sure for me, when I think of one, that's a really good example, um, for the SAT. So what I did do to prepare, uh, in the 11th hour, and I remember that morning, um, my two two of my friends from high school came to pick me up and we were going it was a saturday morning very early probably eight o'clock in the morning and we had to be there by eight so it was early and they they picked me up at my house and i got in the car and my friend turned around and said did you take a shower and i said yep i took a shower i got dressed i did my hair i put perfume on i was smelling good i was feeling good and for me, that was that at that point was the preparation that I, I had time to do. So maybe I hadn't really studied as much as I should have. And so I did compensate in the end by trying really hard to get in a good mind space for taking the test. So I was awake and feeling good about myself and um, went off to take the SATs. I did have to take them twice and I, I did a little bit better the second time, but that is my that is my memory of a of a past performance. The next thing I want you to think about is something that you have coming up in the in the realm of performing. So again, when you think of performance, this can be something on a big stage, it can be something on a small stage, it can be something just for yourself or for for other people. Whether it is connected to your personal life, maybe a relationship, maybe a conversation that you are going to be having with someone in your life, a friend, a family member, someone that you love, or maybe it's something to do with work, maybe a meeting with your boss, a performance review, maybe a, a, an observation of some sort or a presentation that you have to do. Maybe you're looking forward to trying to perform well in a certain category at work or make a certain number for this quarter, whatever it is, pull that into your mind. And again, think about that goal, that vision, that that performance that will be coming in the future 
And maybe even you're working on that in stages right now. Because sometimes we do that, right? We're performing, we're executing, we're doing things in stages in order to accomplish something bigger at the end. So for me, I would think that would be a, a that would be a goal, a vision of mine for the future. I would love to write a book, and I've talked about that here before. And so when I think about things that I'm looking forward to in the future. That is definitely something that I would like to do. And I know from myself that I will have to set deadlines for myself. I will have to be intentional about that and set my own deadlines um, because I do work to a deadline. So you're thinking about that again from all those aspects of body, mind, heart, soul, and spirit. What does this mean to you this upcoming Thing that you will be performing. And then once you have that in mind, turn to right now. This present moment, you are performing right now. You are doing some kind of activity. Of first of all, you are listening. You are listening to this podcast. You may be listening and doing nothing else, but you may also be listening while you are engaged in some other kind of performance. So whether that's driving or running or walking, maybe you're cooking, Um, but your body does some of these things very automatically, right? So if you're listening, you don't have to tell your body to listen. You don't have to tell your body to breathe as we are together here in this moment together. So for me, I'm recording this podcast. And when I think about the podcast, I think of it in a way that as I asked you to attend to your body, your heart, your soul, your mind, and your spirit. For me, I know that I get nervous and excited when I'm sitting down to record the podcast, when I'm preparing for the podcast, I can feel it in my body. So there's a very fine line between feeling nervous and feeling excited. Physiologically, if you think about it, we have similar physical sensations for some of, for some of those emotions. So when you're really nervous about something, it's, it's likely because it's meaningful to you. And so some of that nervousness can also be interpreted as excitement, right? Because it's something you really enjoy or want to do or want to do well. You want it to be meaningful. And so you can think about that right now for something you might be working on currently in your life. And again, you're attending to that overall experience of body, mind, heart, soul, and spirit. So when we think about the performance, right? So we're talking about what it's like to reflect on performance in the past, to to envision performances or something that will be coming in the future, and then also recognizing what you are doing, what you are performing right now. We're going to move into the the rainbow portion of this of this episode. So 
I'm if you're wondering why is it called riding the rainbow? Well, here, here we go. I want you to picture a rainbow. I want you to think about the last time that you saw a rainbow in the sky. I, I chose the image of a rainbow because I love rainbows and they're beautiful. <laughs> so I think it's fun to reflect and appreciate times when we've seen them when the sun is shining and there's some rain left over or maybe at the same time. And when we think of a rainbow, we can also think about the not only the beauty of it, the significance of it, and you know, I think we kind of get that excitement when we're thinking about rainbows and like, oh, it's when you're driving, you're seeing a rainbow and, and you, you want to find where it begins and where it ends. We know that those rainbows, um, we can't always see. <laughs> we can't necessarily see the beginning and the end. And so we have a lot of um, fantasy and image of, of what is at each end of the rainbow. So now I want you to think about a drawing of a rainbow, maybe that you've done or a drawing that you can conjure up in your memory or envision of when we draw a rainbow, right? We draw an upside down U and we draw it with the colors and you might put them in order. And sometimes we even have clouds at the bottom of the rainbow. So at the beginning and at the end, or Maybe one side has a cloud and the other side has the pot of gold. But when you think about that drawing or a picture of a rainbow, we definitely can typically see the beginning and the end. And so that's kind of the vision, the picture to have in your mind as we're going to talk a little bit about the relationship between stress and performance. So we're pulling these things together here in this image of a rainbow. So when you're, you have that picture in your mind and also in that picture, it can be helpful to also think about a graph. So I'm going to take you back to geometry and think about a horizontal line and a vertical line meeting. So kind of like an L shape and along the horizontal axis or the X axis of the graph, we are thinking about stress being measured along that horizontal line. And along the vertical or the y-axis, we're thinking about performance being measured on that line. So if you're thinking of an L, we have performance down the left-hand side and stress going across the bottom. And then the rainbow is within that graph. That's our, that's our plotted points connected by the rainbow. Now you can kind of see that when you have a rainbow, we're picturing a, a symmetrical rainbow and we think of the two end points, whether they're in a cloud or you can actually see them on, on the paper or in your mind, they're, they're roughly symmetrical. They're, they're equal. They're on equal plots of this graph. And at the first cloud, right? So at the, at the, what we would say, maybe the beginning of the rainbow drawing, stress is low and performance is low. 
when you move across the graph at the other side of the rainbow, stress is high and performance is low. And in the middle of the rainbow, at the very top of the rainbow, we have a moderate level of stress. So you're moving over just to the middle of the, those two end points of the rainbow, the beginning point and the end point. And at that point is the tip of the arc, the top of your rainbow, where the performance is the highest. So we're going to, we're going to take, we're going to break that down and, and walk through those concepts. When you have low levels of stress, performance is typically low, right? So the correlation between stress and performance is an inverted U shape. Think about stress being low and performance being low. This would look like whether stress is low, meaning eh, this isn't really important to me. I don't really care this much about this performance. And so I'm not really stressed about it. I don't, I'm not caring about it. I'm not nervous about it. I'm like, just kind of like, whatever, it's fine. Now we can think about that as being authentic or not authentic. So sometimes when stress is low, it is actually that we're a bit disconnected from the actual stress we're feeling, right? So this is something that can come into play. If you're disconnected from stress, you act like you don't care, then this would be where you are. This, this is a potential plot of that point. When stress is low, performance is low, we're not really invested in the performance or the outcome of the performance. So stress is avoided, um, maybe you're disconnected from the stress, oblivious to the stress, or you just don't have it. You really literally do not care about this performance. And so stress is low, performance is low. You can think about that personally, what that's like, and kind of remember time in your life when that was the case. Like, I really don't care about this whatsoever, so I could care less how I perform. And maybe you do okay, but you can imagine the, how this how this can be represented and correlated. Then you move over to the pot of gold or the cloud B on the other end, the end of the rainbow. And there we have moved over to the highest point of stress on our graph. Stress is high. It is extreme. It is the highest level that we could imagine here in this. And performance is low. So you can think about that in your own experience of a time when maybe you got yourself so worked up over something and you were overthinking it, overstressing it, over tense and anxious and nervous and performance did not go well, right? So this is can is very much evident when we think of performance anxiety or test-taking anxiety. When something has high stakes and it's very, very meaningful and we get too stressed, overly stressed, it can affect performance in a negative way. And then 
when we think about the very peak of that rainbow, the top of the rainbow, when performance is rated at the highest level, when you think about that, that is about midway between those two points of stress. It is when your stress is in a moderate level, your performance is typically at its highest level. So this means that you are invested in performance for whatever task it is. It it is meaningful to you. It may have high stakes to you. It may be exciting or fun to you. It may have a lot of significance in your personal life or professional life. And you recognize that there's stress. There's excitement. There's nervousness. And typically when there is stress and nervousness, it makes us prepare and practice. Right, So it drives our behavior when we are invested in the outcome of a task, of a performance. In an ideal world, we would practice and prepare for it. Now, again, I said ideal world because we all can think of an example that that does not happen. I will go back to my SAT example where this was an important task for me. I needed to perform well. I wanted to perform well on the SATs in order to help myself get into a good college. And I didn't prepare. I was disconnected from the stress on some level, pushing it away, procrastinating, avoiding it. And so maybe I can probably tell you that I was like, I don't care, right? Because I thought if I don't care, then then I won't get stressed, right? And think about that. So when we think about the actual, the formula, right? It is you. It is helpful to think of it in a relationship kind of way so that you can understand that there's obviously flexibility in there. And you can probably think of a time when something didn't mean that much to you and you still performed high on it. And that there are other things that come into play, um, like natural ability, right? We all have our own level of natural ability on certain things. And if you can think about this concept, this rainbow of stress and the relationship between performance and stress in a way that makes sense to you, it can be really helpful for you in moving forward in life in everyday life and in those things that are really important to you. So think about a time for yourself when stress was low or it was avoided and you maybe were disconnected from it and then performance was also low. You can also think of a time when stress was too high, it went over the level that is moderate and healthy and your performance suffered because of it. And then I hope you can imagine a time that something was really important to you and you wanted to do well, and there was a way for you to keep your stress at a moderate level. So you were able to to notice that you were nervous and that you were able to keep that stress from going too high and becoming a barrier to being able to perform the way that you wanted So this morning I was talking to my kids um, before school and I was saying, oh, how 
what's going on in school today? Is there anything coming up? Any tests that you have to take or anything exciting that you're going to be doing? And so they're looking like not nervous at all. So they're in fifth and sixth grade. And my daughter's reading, my son's just watching ESPN. And they're like, no, we don't have any tests. I said, okay, you know, anything else fun? You know, fun, anything fun? And um, no, nothing really. I mean, and then one of them said, we do have a TDA. And I was like, what's a TDA? What's a TDA? Um, and I should know this because I've heard of this before, but um, mom, it's a text-dependent analysis. Okay. Oh, I forgot. Um, I, I was So I said, are they like tests? Do you get nervous for them? And my daughter said, no, not me. I'm really good at them. And both of them were, were saying, no, they don't get nervous. And I said, have you always been good at these text-dependent analysis? I don't, I'm sure we did something like that when I was in school, but we didn't call it that. And my son said, oh, last year, TDAs were torture. We did them so much, but now they're so easy because when you have my teacher that you had last year, she really made us practice a lot. So now when I have to do one, they're a piece of cake. And I was so excited. I was really happy and I thought, yay, teachers, (laughs) this one's for you because teaching is a hard job. Right. It is a it is a rewarding, it can be a rewarding job. And it also can be challenging. And so I share this and I said, Oh, you know what? I think it would be fun if we t- if we told your teacher that. Um, it can be nice just to to spread that awareness that yes, it's getting through. They do recognize that even though it can be in the moment feel like torture or be uncomfortable or be stressful, the more we practice, the better we get. The more we prepare and do things, the more automatic they become. And then the stress becomes lower. The stress can be more in a moderate range, right? So when students, you know, my kids, when they're performing these TDAs or a test, they both want to do well and they understand the importance of doing well and they don't get overly overly stressed about it which I like because um, I like to help them stay in that moderate range so thank you teachers we see you and we appreciate all that you do and so even though um, if you're a teacher and you're listening Please take that as a, a, a thank you to all teachers out there. So it was really nice and heartwarming to hear him talk so nicely about his teacher. And then he threw a snowball at his sister and the world was back in equilibrium. <laughs> so in this episode, we are talking specifically about the relationship between performance and stress. And I hope that you have been able to come up with at least one example that would match up with this illustration that we are using about trying to ride the rainbow and stay on top, right? Stay on that top part of the rain of the rainbow where your stress is in a moderate range, especially when you're thinking about something that you are performing. It's meaningful. 
it has purpose, it has significance in your life. And so there is some stress and you are able to keep that stress in a moderate range. And so we're going to talk now, we're going to move into some tips on how do, so, so how do we do that? That sounds great. It sounds fantastic. I'd love to sit on top of that rainbow and be right in the middle. And we know that that is ideal. And sometimes we can do that. And other times we need, it takes a little bit of work. And so we're going to move on to the tips for tips and strategies for managing your stress, keeping your stress in a low to moderate range, right? Because when you don't have to be performing something significant, then you don't need your stress to be at a moderate range. You can keep your stress low or avoid it. So that's the first tip is avoid stress when you can, right? Because nobody wants to walk around stressed, but if you know that there is a certain situation or a certain, um, a certain circumstance that causes stress and may spike your stress high, if you can avoid it, avoid it. There is a benefit to a healthy level of avoidance, right? However, we know that you cannot, we cannot as human beings avoid stress always. It's impossible. There is always something that comes up, whether it is unexpected stress that causes us to have to react and respond, or it's something planned that we know is happening and, and our stress level becomes elevated because it's an important thing that we have to, to do. So number one is if you can avoid stress, go for it, avoid stress (laughs) in a healthy way and know that that's not always possible. So that takes us to number two, recognize that you can't avoid all stress life happens. We have to accept the circumstances of life at times. We don't want to, we want to fight it. We want to push it away. We want to run away from it. We want to maybe ignore it. And all of those kinds of avoidance strategies sometimes are necessary, right? Sometimes in a context where right now I I have to focus on this task. I cannot be stressed about X, Y, or Z. So I have to use some of my skills of avoidance, whether that is distraction or leaning on a friend for support, doing something else to keep your mind off of the stress, right? In that healthy kind of avoidance. And then recognize that it's important to then attend to the stress, attend to what the stress is doing, where it might be coming from, and In doing that, you can help to lower the negative effects of the stress. Taking us to number three, to be curious about what is causing your stress. In being curious, you have to be aware that there is stress. If you are constantly not feeling stressed or you're disconnected from the stressed, or if you are disconnected from the stress, avoiding it, ignoring it, denying it, it doesn't mean it's not there, right? So you can even kind of think about that concept in your mind and think of a time when you really maybe wanted to avoid and ignore or deny a stressful situation. And then 
in the long run, it came out, right? So you can kind of think about that in a maybe in a relational context, right? So if we think about stress in relationships, when we know there's something off in a relationship, there's a disagreement, there's a there's something in our relationship that just doesn't feel right. This would be a really good context to think about these kinds of, of, of strategies. You can avoid it. Absolutely. You can um, have a fight with your partner and you can go to work the next day and, tr- you know, avoid it because you have to, you have to go to work or you have to take care of the kids or there's something else that demands your attention. You can, for a period of time, ignore it, avoid it. And then it, it's still there, right? So a constant effort to avoid or deny stress does not make it go away. We can think about those kind of sayings of sweeping it under the rug, shoving it in the back of the closet, and eventually that closet spills open. Or eventually the the pile of stuff or junk under that carpet becomes too high and then it starts to spill out. And so number three being be curious, be aware of the stress that you're experiencing. And like we've talked about, be aware of it, body, mind, heart, soul, and spirit. We are going to talk more about those concepts and really break them down in a future episode. It can be helpful to use the strategies we've already done in today's session in attending to those aspects of your experience to help yourself be be curious and be aware. Number four is be proactive. So this podcast is in the spirit of preventing preventing spikes in stress, preventing overwhelming stress, being proactive and really attending to the things that we can do before stress arises or as stress is arising in a proactive way to lessen the evidence of it later or mitigate it or keep it in a manageable range, in a moderate, low to moderate range. Um, So recognizing, attending, and being aware can help us to be proactive. We all have a baseline level of stress, um, depending on our life experiences, our cultural identity factors. We as human beings have a baseline of stress and it does depend on our experiences, our history, our genetic makeup of where that, where that line falls. And when you can attend to your own level, you are learning about yourself and being able to recognize when your stress is moving outside of the moderate range into a danger range. So into that moderate to high level, and then you can bring it back. Being proactive also helps keep it more in the low to moderate range. So there's this parable that I will share with you, um, and it's a parable. It's not, it's not a real news story, but picture yourself and a couple of friends taking a picnic, having a little picnic near the river, near the riverbed, and you're enjoying yourselves, you're having some good food, 
laughing and all of a sudden you see someone in the river and they're they need help they need they need assistance and so you you and your friends run over and you you pull the the drowning person or the the, the person under duress out of the river and you attend to them and you get them warm and and just as you're settling back down to return to your picnic you see another person coming down the river and you you're getting up and you're running over and you're attending to this next person and just as that you just as you get that person safe onto the bank of the river you see another one come down and just as you are getting that next person safe and and secure and dry on the on the river bank you see another person and so you're scrambling again to save yet this next person until someone decides, you know what, I got to run up and see what is happening upstream. Why do people keep coming down the river? And when someone runs up to attend to what is happening that's causing people to be drowning in this river, you may run into and see that there is a fixable, solvable problem. The bridge is out and people don't know until they fall into the river. And so you can build the bridge, repair the bridge. And so that parable is meant to highlight how we sometimes approach stress in that way where we don't attend to it until we're, we're drowning or we feel overwhelmed by our stress and then we're trying to employ employ strategies to fix it to solve it to dry off and save ourselves from going under and what can be really helpful is taking a walk up the river up the stream to see what can we do before the problems arise what can we do before the stress becomes overwhelming that we feel like we can't stop it and we would need to be saved. Um, and we can think of this in a way of prevention and in a collective cultural kind of way, we can think of this as advocacy, activism, social justice, creating community, building bridges, and we can also think of it on a personal level as well. Attending to your own personal health and wellness to promote health, promote wellness from an all-around perspective. And number five, the tip for number five is cultivate resilience. So resilience is a process. It's a continuous process that over time, as we learn to respond to stress, respond to adversity, and also take a proactive approach. We can cultivate and enhance the opportunity for resilience. In that cycle of resilience and being proactive and to stress, we think of respond, recover, and grow. So within resilience, there are those phases of similar to that parable of the river, we're responding to the stress, we're recovering, 
And then with resilience comes growth. And in that spirit, we think of when we can be proactive and prevent stress from becoming overwhelming, we enhance our overall health and wellness. Ideally, the process of cultivating resilience begins prior to crisis, prior to the adversity. Number six is prioritize health. We've talked about this throughout the episode. Um, And really, when we think about prioritizing health and cultivating resilience and being proactive, we think about our physical health. So scheduling those yearly checkups or six-month checkups and getting the blood work done before there's something wrong on the report, taking your vitamins, getting activity and exercise in a moderate way into your life, eating healthy, staying connected with loved ones. That one's been a tough one for us this year in a physical kind of way. Um, And so we've had to be creative, right, in staying connected. But these are things that can really be helpful and healthy in managing stress from a proactive approach. And also breathing, right? So you, if you've listened before, you know how important it is to be able to attend to your breath, to use it to calm yourself down, to relax. When you take deep breaths, it does lower that cortisol level, so it can lower the feeling we have in our body when we feel stressed and overwhelmed. So those six tips, just to review, avoid stress when you can, recognize that you can't always avoid it, so accept it, and be curious, be aware of it from body, mind, heart, soul, and spirit. Number four, be proactive. Take a proactive approach to prevent overwhelming levels of stress. Cultivate resilience and prioritize your health. So when you think back to the three things that you thought of in the beginning, a past performance, a future performance, and things that you're doing right now, there is some overlap, right, between what we feel, what we experience, body, mind, heart, soul, and spirit. And so when you're able to attend to those experiences and learn more about yourself, be more aware and cultivate some knowledge and insight, you can start to, or continue, right? Maybe you've already started this process and I hope that you have, but you can really attend to some of those meaningful tasks and actions that you can take to be proactive. So I want you to think about one thing that you will do as a proactive approach, as a result of listening to this episode today, um, One thing that you've taken that you will do to help prevent your stress from becoming overwhelming, to help yourself stay on top of the rainbow where your stress is there, you can tell it's there, and it is manageable, and it helps you to perform in your life, in love, in relationships at the optimal 
level. Thank you for listening. I hope that you will tune in next time as we talk more about life and love and how to do the best that you can. All right. Thank you for joining. I can't wait to connect with you again at the next episode. Take care. Thank you for connecting on this episode of the podcast, Empowered by Design. For further connection, subscribe to my email list at drliz.com to be sure that you are in the loop for exciting news, events, and resources. You can also follow me on social media at Dr. Liz and at Visionistas by Design. I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and send this episode to one of your people in order to share the love spread the power. This podcast is designed to inspire, educate, and empower you to pursue your dreams with intentional vision. This podcast is not meant to be a substitute for psychological treatment or a working relationship with a licensed mental health professional. For more information on connecting with mental health resources in your area, visit drliz.com and click on resources. Thank you again for connecting and remember, trust the heart, work your vision, dream, design, deliver.